Hey everyone, I am Becky and welcome to Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. On this episode, I am joined by podcast contributor Heather. Hi, Heather. Hey, Becky. Um, So on this quick shot of romance, we are reviewing The Troublemaker by Jessica Peterson. This is book two in the Sex and Bond series. You can find the synopsis on our on-the-shelf show notes at buzzingaboutromance.com. Release date is May 18th of 2023. Trope, sibling's best friend. Uh, She is a virgin. Okay, so real quick, because we're talking about tropes. I don't... This was an okay virgin way that it was written. Wasn't my favorite. I don't think this was as, like, well done as others that we've read. But it wasn't... There wasn't any cringiness. No. So. I think that she's wasn't real honest well and not even it's not even that piece that like she wasn't saving it for marriage she wasn't like Uh didn't give it to him as a gift like it wasn't cringy like that um but she does just not talk about it with him yeah she just hadn't gotten around to it i mean she kind of had always hoped it would be him but not like she was like "Eh." it was yeah yeah she didn't really date in college and you know. Um, okay, so opposites attract, longtime crush, foodie romance, because she owns the bakery, which I would like those triple chocolate muffins that she right? made. Um, <laughs> this is an age gap of 11 years. They are friends to lovers. The series yeah. is Sex and Bonds. It is a series of standalones. Put out percentage was like 52%, I think. Hold on, I got it. Um I um I wouldn't 42%. So not quite a slow burn. Um but it does have some slow burn feels to it. Is there a third act breakup? There is not. No. Um content warning, loss of sibling, mental health and grief. Um Okay, so let's talk Brooks and Greer. Yes. So I think this is not a secret, but I'm a huge fan of Jessica Peterson. Um, This is book two. Book two, book one came out about a year ago. And then she went on like a year um, hiatus. Yeah, she went on a hiatus. Um, So she. Go ahead. Um, So she kind of had teased this for us. And I was super excited to have this, but. It was a, I think it was a really good book. Um, you know, I really liked it. I, well, we'll talk about it in a little bit because I want to get down and break down these characters a little bit. So Brooks is um, a Wall Street whiz. And people might not know this, but Charleston, um, North Carolina actually has a finan- a huge financial district, like outside of Walmart. It's called the Southern Wall Street it is a huge traders mortgage bond type banking in Charleston. And um, so Brooks works for a bank that his father is the CEO or executive director of. He's a big deal with the bank. And yeah. it's sort of just expected that Brooks will also become a big deal at this bank. Yeah. And Greer is the sister of Brooks's best friend, George, or Porgy, as they call him. Um, which is so weird his little nickname is so weird Um, Greer is 23 and she has opened a bakery she went to college and she's 
owned a bakery for about a year. It is right on the Charlotte Wall Street area. So she is downtown in the bankers. And she's worked really hard to get placement for her bakery. Yes. So the bakery basically is standing and running because all these Wall Street people cannot stop eating her baked goods. And she has like a little cart that she brings up to the floor and she brings all of her goodies and coffee and she has her regulars and they all love her because she's Georgia's little sister and she's adorable. She is. And she has a connection and people really like her. Um, you know, everyone's friendly. She's made friends. She has friends that work at the bank that work on the trading floor and some of the managers. So um, one of the things that I thought was kind of odd in this book was that we don't learn much about her family outside of her brother, George. Mm-hmm. Like we we know that George and his parents have both heavily invested into the bakery, the bakery to help her open it up. But we never find out, are they also wealthy? Because like it's hinted that they have a big house on Lake Norman, which if you live in the Charlotte area, that's a pretty prestigious place to have a lake house on. Like they're not tiny, small houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and George went to Duke. They invested in her bakery. But we don't meet her mom and dad. She talks about how they live there and they're close, but we don't ever have any conversations with her mom and dad. But we do meet his. Yeah, we don't. And I, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. And I wonder if it's more... Like, I feel like George has something going on. So I wonder if we'll meet him in George's. If, like, look, I wonder... if. It's just, yeah, well, I don't know. I also feel like does that make sense? Like when everything starts to go down to the end of the book, it was a pretty speedy timeline. Yeah, it is a really short timeline. But so Brooks makes a big deal about how Greer is not taking care of herself that she is not making time or being decisive. She's not managing her employees and she's overrunning herself, right? Like she's just doing too much. And like, I quit, like, so she works in a banking district that obviously has banking hours. I don't understand why you wouldn't close your bakery on Saturdays and Sundays. And also this story takes place over Memorial Day weekend. Why would you be open on a Sunday in a financial district? So there was just some little things that I thought. But again, if she had a mom and a dad, that would have been a way for like the conversation to happen. Um, And I think that the author was trying to write Brooks as this really big caregiver, which he is. He's a fantastic caregiver, even though he feels he's inept because of the loss of his twin sister. He doesn't feel that. He's almost hyper aware that he needs to take care of those around him that are struggling. And he sometimes sees things that he doesn't necessarily need to see. Does that make sense? Yes. He's really, he's like actually made himself hyper aware of other people. um, And maybe isn't as aware of himself. Like I think he is hyper aware of people around him that need to do a better job of taking care of themselves. But in turn, he doesn't do the same. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that's really cute between the two of them is she gets drunk 
She goes out for a night with her friends. He happens to be at the same bar. He sees her. He leaves. She sticks around, starts doing tequila shots with a bro that she meets at the bar and goes home with him, but realizes it was a mistake and calls Brooks and he comes, picks her up. And one of the things that they bond with over their car ride is murder podcasts. And it was so fun. And there are all these murdery puns in the book that were so fun. Yeah, so Brooks is very serious. And I don't know if he's always been serious. I feel like her brother, who is her brother, George, who was Brooks's best friend, probably knows that Brooks has a fun side. But he really has kind of closed that off. He does close it off. Um, And let's see. Yeah, and but we do see it a little bit, like one of the ways that he honors his sister, because this all takes place over the her the time in which he lost her, of her passing. He goes roller skating every year on the anniversary of her death to honor her. Which I just picture, I just picture this bro, like this like Wall Street bro, like out with like the neon lights and just like in his khaki pants. <laughs> And the glow-in-the-dark necklaces that she bought him, like, he was draped. It was so sweet. They were so sweet. Um, Okay, so one of the complaints that I have about this book, and I don't know if you noticed this, this author chooses to break the fourth wall in this book. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, what the fourth wall is for those that are listening, because I actually had Merritt ask me this conversation in Discord. So breaking the fourth wall is when the character leaves outside the setting and addresses the audience um, directly. So oftentimes we'll see this um, in theater that they'll, you know, the the best example of this is Deadpool. Like you don't know if he is directly addressing the audience or if he's just insane and talking to himself, but he technically is like the epitome of breaking the fourth wall. And Jessica Peterson does this a lot. And this is my first book in this series. I've only read one other book by her. And um, so I did do some research and I found out that um, she has done this. She did this in the first book. And the way she chooses to do it is she'll put the statement in parentheses. Um, and I found it to be very distracting. I felt like it pulled me outside of that um, moment that we were in and put me somewhere I wasn't supposed to be. Like, I just didn't love it. I don't think it was executed or formatted well, and I wish she hadn't done it. But did I you not notice it? Not, no, not at all. Not at all. I was actually, I will say, like, I was in a huge bunk slump. Like, I could not get through a book. And then I picked this one up and I read this one in probably three hours. It was a really cute, sweet, fast book. But like one of the things that I'll say is there was a statement that she says, afford a misstep now that I'm actually able to pay myself a, in parentheses, very modest salary. So that very is directed to the reader because she put it in the parentheses. Um, And it just, so... There's another statement that says, I'm part programmer, part economist, part gambler, all badass. Kidding. 
kind of, and kidding kind of is put in parentheses. So that's where uh, Brooks is directing and, you know, speaking to the audience. It was distracting for me. I don't think that it was executed very well. And it, I didn't love it. I just didn't love it in this book. I didn't even notice. That's so funny. That was just, it's one of those no. little things I think you pick up on. Um, I talked to another reader that had read it uh, and she was, she listened to the first book and said mm -hmm. that it didn't bother her when she listened to the first book because it would have been done with the narrator. So you wouldn't have seen the parentheses, but she tried to eyeball read the second book and it was distracting for her too. It kind of took her out of um, the story. Oh. I guess I might have to be paying more. It's okay. Thanks. I think it's just one of those things that I don't think everyone would pick up on it. It was an editorial mm -mm. choice I wouldn't have made. Um, okay. So the other thing was, and this is like kind of Becky puts on her petty pants, but so there's this really cool thing that she does called the WS bathroom on Twitter. And it's a mm -hmm. great way to give the reader the gossip that's happening around this industry but give us insight into who brooks is give us insight to how greer is perceived and played within this very hot fast paced you know boiler room feel of an industry however the tweets were longer than the 400 or 244 characters so like if you're going to use something like twitter you have yeah. to follow their rules because you named it Twitter. You didn't call it like, you know, you, she didn't make up her own social media name for it. She called it Twitter. So everybody knows it's 288 characters, I think, is on Twitter that you can have. I didn't notice that either. Like, I was like, oh, that's like one of my favorite. I'm like, oh, I love this juicy gossip that Wall Street bathroom was giving us. It's just the mechanics. Maybe I, yeah. It's just the mechanics. It's just the mechanics of how things work and that if you're going to use something like that, that we all know, you just, you know, like you wouldn't say that the Mercedes logo is, you know, a V with a line because, or you wouldn't call it something else, a fork, because nobody calls it a fork. It looks like a peace sign, you know? Um, yeah. There's just little things. I like actually, that. one of my quotes is... Is a, it's a Wall Street bathroom. Rumor has it a certain mathematical whiz is not only a freak in the spreadsheets, but in the actual sheets as well. I thought that was super Oh, it's funny. funny. And it wasn't every tweet that she did. Just mm -mm. some of them were too long. Um, one of the things that I think she did really great in this book was, though, they do have a broken condom and she is, uses plan B. And mm -hmm. I love when an author does that. That was executed exceptionally well, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I what was handled and the maturity and the level of care that he took and took responsibility for it. Um, I think it was very well done. It also leads to a very awkward conversation with her brother, George. Um, and I do say... It was great. There wasn't an over. He has a funny reaction because he thinks he's lying. <laughs> uh -huh. 
<laughs> he thinks he's yeah. like not telling him the truth. Um, so when it does come out, George is kind of like, what? No, no. Yes. No. It was kind of funny, um, but it wasn't an over the top reaction. Like he, he got with the picture pretty quickly. He did. Uh, we, there is the mental health rep in here. And I think um, Brooks really deals with some mental health um, and grief. Uh, he lost his twin sister and that was very difficult for him as anyone can imagine. Um, and he still, he attends therapy regularly. And I think the way that that was also talked about and handled was also very well done. Yeah. there. It, this was a great, fast, fun read. Um, mm -hmm. It was just a couple little things that I was like, eh, I wanted more of her parents because I just felt like I was missing little things about Greer's character. Like I wanted to know more about her. I feel like some of the things we got were just kind of surface level only. Yeah. And I think um, it kind of just played into the fact that her whole world is at bakery. And I think she needs to kind of step out of the bakery and probably be more present in her life and probably spend more time with her parents and her family. Right. Um, I know that you've read Jessica's previous series, but we uh -huh. do get some fun um, appearances, guest appearances uh -huh. from some of her other series in this book. They actually go up to the um, resort that is in her, um, her Southern Highlands series or Caroline Highlands, where that family owns that amazing resort that I want to live at. Um, they get to go there for the weekend and it is super awesome. Yeah. For their podcast, their podcast fun, which was great. Mm -hmm. It was so great. Um, yes, loved okay. it. Anyway, anything else everybody should know about The Troublemaker? I think, um, I think actually this alone very well. Um, I did read book one. I really liked book one. Um, I'm ready for a lot more in this series. <laughs> I think also it's... sets up a book series coming out. Um, and I think the next one is not from the Sex and Bond series, but there's another series she kind of set us up for. Okay. I think this was really well done. It reads excellent as a standalone. Um, you know, overall, it was a quick, cute read. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, Heather, thank you so much for joining me for this quick shot of romance. Anytime. Um, until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on the shelf show notes. 